If you like Rogan and Rodney, be sure to check out Petros and Money. Hear them live weekdays at 3 on AM 570 LA Sports or podcast their show on the iHeartRadio app by searching Petros and Money. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Peterson. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Peterson. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, here we go. Two hours. Fred Rogan, Rob Parker in today for Rodney on AM570 LA Sports. Rob, they brought me doing? back. I'm yeah. good. How are you, Fred? Are you all right? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'm great. I, any day I could work with you and Rodney and Kev and, you know, I'm good. By the way, Rob, of course, one half of the odd couple, the odd half, and you can hear that every day on Fox Sports Radio. Listen on the app. Uh, four to seven in the West, seven to ten in the East. Okay. Let's do this off the top, talk about what we know. It's the elephant in the room, so let's get it out of the way. All right, Rob? Yes, absolutely. So Trevor Bauer uh, has been accused of alleged assault by a woman. According to reports, uh, he met with her and had physical encounters twice. She apparently is from San Diego. She is accusing him of assaulting her. his response through his attorneys, this was consensual sex. Major League Baseball is looking into it. Uh, he has attorneys. The woman in question has an attorney. And that's all we know right now. Uh, I, I don't know anything else. Do you? No, I don't. And it just has to play out. It is. It's a story. It's out there, Fred, right, for public consumption. And uh, that's it. I mean, we just don't know any details. And... Uh, I'm sure this will play out, but Major League Baseball will have a say, as you know, because they'll have their own investigators. And we've seen this happen in baseball where either guys were exonerated or guys were uh, suspended once they do their, uh, their own investigation. So that's where it is. To speculate on anything would be uh, irresponsible. So that's it. You know what we know, and what we know is basically what has been reported. We move on. Last night, the Dodgers win their fifth in a row. Uh, They beat the Giants twice. I said the Giants were fool's gold. I believe they're not going to win the division. David Vassay said there are scouts around baseball and and front office people that believe at least they'll be a wild card team because they are pretty good and and baseball is pretty weak in some divisions this year. What do you think? I I think that three teams are coming out of uh, the NL West. I really do. I mean, because... We're almost at the all-star break now. We can't keep saying that they're going to fall off. Fred, they would have fallen off already. Yeah. No? Yeah. They got 50 wins. How many wins? What? I just I don't see how unless they're not. Now, they can't sustain. I'll say this. If they get a major injury to one of, one of their players, you know what I mean? Like they have a team that's not bolstered by any superstars or whatever, so they need all their guys. So if there's some sort of big injury, and I'm not going to throw any names out because I don't want anybody to get hurt, but you know what I mean. If there's some major injury, that could derail them. But until further notice, uh, I I think the Giants are a playoff team. 
And uh, the Padres are right there, and the, and those three teams in the NL West are going to make it. I think three teams from the American League East are going to make it, and one might not be the Yankees, but I do believe there are going to be three that come out of the AL East and three that come out of the NL West. That That's how it looks. Yeah, how bad are the Yankees? They can't, wow. hit, with, they can't hit with runners in scoring. Now, they scored a lot of runs yesterday, but they can't hit uh, with runners in scoring position. They have the third worst Batting average, Fred, in baseball with runners in scoring position. You can't win like that. Look at their, look at their uh, run differential. It was minus six going into last night. So what is it, plus four? Yeah. Plus five? Yeah. I mean, plus five? Dodgers got like a plus 66. <laughs> Am I right? Dodgers differential is plus 106. Oh, 106. 106. And the Yankees have a plus four. Or something. So Crazy. You're, you're saying Brian Cashman's assessment of his team when he said, we suck, is accurate, Rob? Uh, yes. Okay. And you know what? I mean, Brian has to take some of that responsibility. But anyway, uh, I, I think the NL West is – I think those three teams are going to be in it for the long haul. Well, Dodgers have won five in a row. Kenley Jansen. Now, you, you thought he should not be the closer this year. Not earlier this year. And, and to be honest – and let's be fair about it. Given what happened, you would think, God, are you going to really run him out there again or are you going to go by committee? Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman said at the very beginning, Kenley's the guy, and he has uh, rewarded their trust. Uh, yeah, so far, and uh, for people like me who were the doubters, and, and I did doubt it just from what we saw last year. You know what I mean? I just I, I wasn't sure. Guys don't usually bounce back. Closers, when they go through that, at the, you know, when they have, have put in years in baseball, not, not if you're a young guy. And you have a bad patch or something, Fred. But, you know, after you've been a stud closer for a long time and then you fall off, very seldom do you make it back. Very seldom. Well, he has done that. Max Muncy continues to be a giant killer. Well, he, he steps up big against the Giants. I can't, again, Matt, I can't get over how many home runs he has against them. If, yeah. I'm, the, if I'm the Giants, I might be, I might be pit walking him when he comes up. Seriously, like to give yourself a chance to win. And it's so bizarre, it doesn't matter who's pitching for them. He just has their number. You just want to see him hit against the Giants. There were always players like that, yep. And, and uh, again, he's, he's uh, been big time for, for the Dodgers when it comes to San Francisco. Okay. So the Dodgers are off tonight, and they'll be in Washington tomorrow. We'll have the games here for you on the radio station. Given that the Dodgers are off tonight, we will have the Clippers on AM570, and that'll be coming up later on this afternoon. They will try to extend the series once again. They will try to force a decisive Game 7. Uh, in the pre previous two series, they came down from 0-2. Now they're trying to come back from down 3-1. It it's a remarkable story. Paul George has played, look, he's played very well, and he's 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 made some mistakes. I mean, he cost him a game. That there's no doubt, and you the, might the, argue he cost him the other game. I was going to say you might. There are a few uh, Paul George free throws away. Yep. From this series being over, and the Clippers were the winners without Kawhi Leonard. Think about that. That's why I believe they're going to win this series and go to the NBA Finals. I really do. I don't have I don't have a lot of confidence right now. And you were there in Phoenix. Yep. With the Young Suns, they're trying to get to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993 when Charles Barkley was on the team. That's how long it's been. Um, 
And I just think that they got young guys. It's hard to close out. And the Clippers have been really tough winning those big in every series. They somehow, Fred, went on the road and won big games. That, that's, that's what's so impressive, right? They went to Dallas, down 3-2 to two after they lost game five here in L.A. And what they do, Fred? They won yeah, and forced a game seven and then came back home and won a game seven. They also went to Utah, 2-2, with the whole idea that they struggle in Utah. The Jazz had the best record in the West. What'd they do? They went to Utah, and they won without Kawhi Leonard. Right. And now here we are again. They go to Utah. I mean, they, they, they go to uh, – I forgot who they're playing. <laughs> they, go, they go on the road to Phoenix. Yeah. And no Zubats, right? No Kawhi. And it didn't matter. And they still win a game where everybody thought the Suns would close them out and be heading to the final. So I'm not counting this team out, Fred. I know a lot of people, you know, the, the margin for error is very small. They have to win two games. The Suns only have to win one of the last two. And, you know, the, the, the odds are in the favor of the Suns. But I'm going to take the Clippers here. I, I just am. All right. Well, Paul George is going to be a big part of whatever happens. Uh, Charles Barkley had some thoughts on Paul George. Here, listen. Every great player yes. gets criticized. Yes. I don't hear that bull. I have gotten criticized because I didn't win a championship. Michael Jordan, before he won the championship, yeah, he can't win. Shaq, Kobe, everybody's gotten criticized. This false narrative, I'm hearing these jackasses on television, somebody gets scrutinized more than other people. Give me a freaking break. But I, I, I got drafted with Michael Jordan. I remember when he was going up, when he put that 63 on the Celtics. Yeah, he's a great individual player, but he hasn't won the championship. They've always said that about me. Carl Malone, John Stockton, Patrick Ewing. I can go down the line and the line. Paul George is a terrific player, but that goes with being a terrific player. And these other guys talk about he gets treated unfairly. Give me a freaking break. What do you think, Rob? Do you think Paul George gets treated unfairly? I think criticism for Paul George is fair uh, because he is a star player. And what Charles is talking about, I covered the NBA, Fred. I was a beat writer back when Michael Jordan was playing. I, was, I, I covered the Knicks and the New Jersey Nets uh, for the Daily News in New York. And I do remember what he's talking about when, when Jordan scored those points, 63 points against the Celtics. People did say, oh, yeah, he's a great player, but he, he, can't, he doesn't make his team better, and he'll never win. People were saying that about Michael Jordan. You were covering the NBA, Fred. It wasn't, it wasn't a parade and a party for Michael Jordan before he won. He was criticized that he didn't make his teammates better. So that stuff comes. So, so I think that Paul George gets clowned is probably uh, at a higher rate. And what I mean clown because he called himself playoff, playoff P. P. So people, pandemic P. So I think people have taken advantage at pushing it back in his face because he gave himself playoff P as a nickname. But is it unjust to criticize uh, star players who, may, who make a ton of money and are supposed to lead a team? No, it's not at all. Not, not at all. Yeah, and it really, again, comes down to him, the man who put himself in that position. I have to tell you, no matter what you think of Paul George, uh, he signed the big deal. 
and Kawhi has been out. He's done the job. Yeah, he's he's had a couple of uh, clunkers, clunkers that could have won them the series. But they're still alive, and he has done the job. I think if you look at him now, just his performance, Rob, in the playoffs, he's a top 10 guy in the league. No doubt. Think? Yeah, I think anybody who's who doesn't believe that they're living in the past and they're not watching what they're seeing now, Fred, look at his numbers throughout this postseason. And that's with a couple of stinkers in there. Just imagine if he had decent games, not stinkers, it would be even better. Uh, he has played extremely well, and when Kawhi went down, people didn't even think they would be able to beat Utah. Did they? No. No, absolutely not. So now you have Phoenix, the young sons, with Chris Paul. It, it, it would be, you know, just the cruelest of ironies if against the Clippers, Chris Paul was on a team that blew a 3 right. series lead. Wouldn't it be the cruelest of ironies? That would be the cruel. I, I'm with you. And it could happen. Because when you look at the Suns, you say the young Suns. But what's, the, what's the, uh, the, one, the one bad thing is the guy that you have, the veteran guy, has choked down three to one leads. Not once, not twice. A couple of times. Now, to be fair, he's been hurt. No, I'm just saying, though. But his teams have been up where he should have been to the – he could have easily been to the finals two or three times by now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think it'll also be interesting to see how both teams come out tonight. The Suns came out a little tentative in the game the other night in Phoenix. I mean, the Clippers just jumped all over them. Right. Suffocated them from the very beginning, smothered them. Oh, no, they, they, they understand. I think, obviously, it's not do or die for them, Fred, but I don't think you want to have a game seven. No. You, don't, you don't want a game seven. Anything can happen. What if Chris Paul turns an ankle? What if Devin Booker has a bad shooting night? Right? It ha- can happen. Yep. You know what, though? You don't want a game seven. And that's why when you're in this position, if you're up three games to two, this is your game seven. This is game seven for both teams tonight. Right? For the Clippers, th- there's no choice. Right. You got to win. There's no, there's no room. Right. And if the Suns lose tonight and go back to Phoenix, oh, God. They will have dropped two in a row. Their head will be spinning. Their confidence will be shot, and I don't care how many people are in that arena screaming. They are going to be back on their heels. No, I agree. And the other thing, too, is don't think that what the Clippers did in the first two rounds don't seep in. You know what I mean? Where you go, they've been doing this the whole – you know who this is like? This is like Denver from a year ago. Fred, Denver beat Utah, came back from 3-1. Then they came back against the Clippers 3-1. That was last year. I know. No, I know, Rob. I know. So, uh, again, we will have the game for you tonight. It's a 6 o'clock start here on the radio station. So we'll have the pregame show with Adam Oslin beginning at 5. All right, Ned Coletti, the man in the big chair, will join us next. As we continue, we'll talk more about the Dodgers. If you missed any of Rogan and Rodney, you can podcast it on the iHeartRadio app. Rogan and Rodney. AM570, LA Sports. And of course, you are our inspiration. All right, Fred Rogan. Who's this, Chicago? Oh, yeah. You know why we have Chicago now? Why? Ned Coletti. It is his favorite group of all time, and Ned jumps on with us. Hey, Ned. What up? Gentlemen, 
Good to hear you. Good to hear the opening. Just you and me. Like it. Like it. That's right. Simple. Oh, yeah. up. All right, Ned. So uh, let's talk about where the Dodgers are now. You have said from the very beginning that you believe San Francisco, you know, will have a nice run. They're not going to be there at the end. Dodgers take these two here at the stadium. I think it's a pretty big deal when you beat a team in your division. I think it's a bigger deal when you beat a team that's ahead of you in the division. And I think it's an even bigger deal when you beat the team in first place and it's the Giants. What do you think? Well, I think it was a uh, a real big deal. I think uh, beating the Cubs three out of the last four, actually the last three in a row, and then also uh, beating San Francisco and beating them the way they did really with execution, and really, if you look at the first inning yesterday against Gosman, a really good pitcher. He struggled for a minute. He struggled with his command, hit JT, walk, give up two runs. You know what? You cannot, you cannot do that with the Dodgers, and they proved it to San Fran. You know, as far as the Giants go, you know, nice team, doing well. I think in the, in the first half of a baseball season, you can lose a division. You cannot win a division. I think divisions are run in the second half. And I think they're going to have a tougher second half than they had a first half. But it's hard to poo-poo a team that's won 50 games, Ned. I mean, can we give the Giants a little bit of credit to where they oh, are without stars? I said they're pretty good. They're, they're, having a, they're probably the most surprising team in the game. That doesn't mean they're going to go for 162, you know, for 80 games or whatever they've played. Yeah, they've been the surprise of baseball. Their toughest tests are coming. The Dodgers have yet to really get hot. The Dodgers have yet to play really with the full, the full deck of cards with everybody. Getting Seager back would be huge if nobody else can get gets hurt between now and then. Mookie hasn't been the same. The Dodgers are still in the process of being as good as they can. I'm not sure the Giants can be any better than they've been. That's not taking anything away from them. That's really they've they've played to the utmost. But it's a long season. You're getting to the halfway point. I think the Dodgers are, I think the Giants end up finishing third place by the time it's all said and done. How about Mookie Betts? You mentioned him. Uh, what is, what's the issue there? He hasn't had the Mookie Betts MVP type season that we've seen from him. Uh, is there something you could see or, or, or not? Well, I, I don't know how healthy he's been. I don't know if he's been completely healthy. I think, you know, he was really going through a tough time and taking some days off here and there. But you had Pollock out at the time, and you had Bellinger out at the time, and you had Muncie out at the time, or Seeger out at the time. You know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not feeling 100. percent I'm going to go on the IL too." No, I think if anything, he probably said, "Look, you know, I'm not feeling right, but I'm going to keep playing." Uh, these other guys are, are all out with different things that they can't really do anything about until they heal. So I'm going to continue to com- contribute. I, I think that's that's. I'm guessing, but I was knowing, you know how I, how he's played and and what he's all about. I, I think he probably probably's done that. And whenever you play hurt, and if he has played hurt, whenever you play hurt, you can develop some other habits because you you don't you don't want to you don't want to hurt the part that's that that's ag- agitating you. So uh, I think he's going to have a big second half. I, I think we've seen uh, signs of it. I think we've seen really back quickness here and there especially on some of the balls that he's hit in the left field. Um, he can do it all, but I think that, that he hasn't been 100% and he's never going to admit to it. Uh, but I don't think that he's been as healthy as, as he was a year ago. Uh, Ned, you know, as a guy that sat in the chair for many years, you saw a lot of players. Max Muncy seems to own the Giants. 
Can you remember another guy on a team that you were in charge of that just owned another team? Well, not to the extension that Max does San Francisco. I mean, it is, it's almost predictable. And a, and a sport that's almost un, completely unpredictable, his success, uh, you almost expect it. And, and when he does it, you just kind of nod your head and go, yep, there's another one. Yep, there's another one. Uh, I can't remember anybody off the top of my head that has dominated a team as much as he has. And it's not just for this season, although this season has been terrific for him. But when you when you look back at the uh, you know him and Madison Baumgartner, talking about lefty on lefty, you know tough guy to hit, guy that's one of the great competitors of this era uh, from the left side as a starting pitcher, and you know Max and him had a few different conversations uh, of uh, you know of uh, of uh, getting the ball out of the ocean and all of that. So I, I think that you know you until they adjust, I think he keeps doing it. Obviously, he's got great confidence against them. But I think when you look at really the track record of Max Muncie, uh, I'm surprised there's not a couple more teams on that list. But it's it's tough to do what he's done. But as long as they don't adjust and as long as they throw him strikes, I think he continues to do it. How about Jansen and his uh, bounce back? You know, for relievers especially, is it hard, Ned, to, you know, get confidence back in a guy, you know, after you – a long-term, a long-time uh, member of a team. You don't pitch him, you know, in a big spot in the World Series because he, you know, wasn't pitching well. But his last seven games, six saves, no earned runs, seven strikeouts, zero ERA. I mean, what what's been the difference with uh, Jansen? That's a that's a great observation. You know, he has been been so good, um, especially this year, especially maybe after the first two or three weeks of the season. I've known him a long time. I, I had the, uh, at the time it was his misfortune, as it's turned out to be everybody's good fortune since, to tell him he was done catching, and we were going to put him on the mound. And obviously he's turned out to be one of the best closers in the game, best closer in the history of the Dodgers franchise, steeped in pitching. I think what, what we've seen this year is we've seen a, and I loved his interview last night post-game, because he talked about his recommitment to conditioning, his recommitment to being as great as he could be. And I think last year, not being on the mound at the end of when they won the pennant and not being on the mound when they right. won the World Series, I think it cut him I think it cut him deeply. And I think he was he's not gonna he's not gonna let that happen again. And I give him a lot of credit because we've seen him uh, when his delivery gets out of sync, sometimes it can be a rough outing. And we saw a lot of that early in the season. Haven't seen too much of it thus in the last six weeks. But last night the first two hitters the delivery was all out of whack to me. I think his timing was off. He has got a very, he's got a, obviously he's a big guy. He's got a lot to the delivery. It's got to be almost in precision for him to be successful. And after the first two hitters, he took a breath, he reset, and from then on, he was right in sync and dominant. And I think that's, that's a great sign to see. And most relievers don't last in that position as long as he has. That's why, you know, a couple of years ago, people were wondering, hey, is, is this maybe the, the sunset of, of a great career? But he turned it back around. He, he redefined uh, his conditioning and really worked his delivery. And uh, him coming down off that delivery with the leverage he's got, with the stride he's got, boy, it is tough to handle. And the slider last night, which he and I debated for years, his usage of it, Wanted him to use it, wasn't comfortable doing it. Now you see he's comfortable with that too. Yet another weapon for somebody who's one of the best of all time. And, and Ned, let me follow up real quickly. I, 
I can only think of like closers go through stretches, you know, where they're not good. And I, I think, and you tell me, you've been in baseball longer than me. I, Mariano Rivera was the only p closer who was never bad. I don't remember him ever being bad. But most closers are more like Jansen, you know, where, where they're great for a spell and, and they fall off and not everybody gets back on. Is, is that fair or accurate? That is completely accurate. And I think one of the telling signs, and we did see a little bit of it, is losing command and giving up home runs. Because think about what a close is doing. For the most part, he's coming in to get three outs. So, you know what, it's his best stuff. And the hitter is trying to tie a game, take a lead, whatever. It's the hitter's best stuff. So it's really the best versus the best. And when you start giving up home runs as a closer, it's starting to be perhaps a, a, a little bit of a sign that, hey, you know what, your stuff is coming back a little bit. You're, you don't have what you used to have. And he went through that a little while. But he was, again, he was out of sync, but he's, he's got it back. And you're right, Rivera was probably the only one I can ever think of. That I, really I don't remember Trevor anybody Hoffman. else, right? Trevor Hoffman, maybe a little bit, but you're right. Guys do go up and down like that, but most of them, once they go down, they don't come back up. Yep. He's been back up for a while. Hey, Ned, I don't know if you've told the story, but you were talking about Ken Lane when you had to have the conversation with him about moving to, moving to the mound. What's that conversation like when you have it with somebody? How do you position it, and what's their reaction? Well, I had, I had known him for a, a few years, and our minor league people had known him well. Uh, he's a catcher, had a great arm, had a good feel for pitching. We didn't think he was going to hit. And so I, I asked our player development people, hey, if you find a player that you think has got a major league carrying tool, but they're in the wrong position, bring it to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll think about switching them. So they brought me Kenley. And I went to, to see Kenley. I said, hey, you know, we're going to have to change something up here. We had to put him on the roster that November. Um, and he says, no, nah, I, I don't want to do that. I'm a catcher. I'm going to catch in the big leagues. And I thought to myself, well, if the big leagues expand to 50 teams, he may be right. <laughs> you know? But at 30, I don't see anybody, you know, I don't, think him, I don't see him being a full-time big league catcher. And so we put him on the mound. Charlie Huff started working with him. Kenny Howell, God bless him, started working with him. And little by little, he picked it up. But he had a lot of things to learn, too. He couldn't hold runners. He refused to use the slider. The cutter wasn't there yet, but he started to progress, and we, we made a game. I mean, he was, he was livid for about a week and, and, and fought it for about a week. We finally said, look, you're going to have to trust us on this. This is what we do for a living. You're going to have to trust us, and we're going to work with you. We're not going to let you just, just sit you know, and, and try and figure it out on your own. So we sent two of the best in, Kenny and, and Charlie Huff. And little by little, he started to figure it out. And that November, or that really, that September, we sent him to the Fall League. And every team has got a dozen scouts running through the Fall League. So we gambled that we, we made the decision, we're going to put him on the roster with 12 innings pitched professionally. 12, maybe 13. Okay, hardly anything. But we, we believed in the talent. We believed that he would be able to figure it out and execute it. And within a year of that, he was in the big leagues, and he's been dominant, except for a spell here or there, one of the most dominant guys of all time. And once in a while, you know, he'll get in the bat, and, you know, he's gotten a few hits in his major league career, and undoubtedly within about 15 minutes at the end of the game, I'll get a text message saying, see, I told you I could hit, you know. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, he's been pretty good as a closer, too, I'd say. All right, so that, that went well. Now, do you have well, one? Well, it went well after about a week. Yeah, it went it went very well. Okay, yeah. yeah, that one worked out. But do you have one where you try it again and it didn't go so well? Oh yeah, you got a few of those too. 
Um, you know, but uh, you know, I think the job is, you know, we try to convert some pitchers to knuckleball pitchers. Uh, again, with Charlie Huff, tough to do. I mean, Charlie Huff is a great story of that. You know, he was about done. And I think Tommy Lasorda came to him and said, hey, why don't you try throwing the knuckleball because, you know, you're going to be doing something else for a living with what you got otherwise. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, Pedro Baez was a third baseman we converted. Uh, before I got here, Russell Martin was a third baseman. We converted the catcher. They converted the catcher before I arrived. So, you know, you, you find somebody that's got that, that one skill that you think is, is going to get them to the big leagues, like Baez, you know, good, good arm, tremendous arm, signing for hardly anything out of the DR. And little by little, he figured it out. You, you, you've got to give players a chance. You've got to give them a chance, and you've got to be wise with your selections. And knowing that while they may be a third baseman today, if they can't do something that's going to make them a big league third base, because think of the big leagues. There's, there's only 800 and some of them of all the people playing ball in the world. Any sport, it's the best of the best. If they can't make it at that, it's your responsibility and, and really duty to give them an opportunity to get to the show doing something else. And that's what we did with Kenley. And after a week of him mulling it over, he became dedicated to it, never looked back. Ned, let me ask you about the Padres behind the Dodgers. Uh, game and a half behind, but they're nine and one in their last ten. Where are they on your radar? Are, are you surprised where they are? They've had their bumps and their injuries and Tatis. Are you shocked that that, that they're still right there within striking distance? No, I, and you're right. They have. I'm not shocked that they are where they are. I, I think they've got a really good club. Uh, you know, they have had a lot of injury, especially to their pitching staff, and you know that's. That's where you're going to have a lot of wear and tear. That's where you're going to have to really beat other teams unless you use, unless they lose somebody like Tatis for an extended period of time. But uh, they've played well, and they compete, and they could, they've really been able to turn it up against the best team, the Dodgers. And when you look at how this series started, just go back to San Fran, for example, use that example. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers were what, uh, three and a half out when that series started? Yes. It's a four-game swing. It could have been five and a half, but no, it's one and a half. So the Padres have done what they've needed to do by having a better record versus the Dodgers and the Dodgers versus them. They've been able to continue to keep that gap close. But to do that, they're going to have to continue to beat the Dodgers and continue to beat San Francisco. The second half of the season, especially the second half of the second half, you find out who's real, and the rest of the, rest of the guys just go on home because it's only you know not everybody's going to make it, but they're a really good club right now. All right. Well, Ned, we appreciate you coming on. Love chatting with you. Thanks for the insight as yes, always. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Have a great day. Off we go. There you go. Our good buddy, Ned Coletti. Dodgers off today, traveling. They'll open a series over the weekend in Washington against the Nationals. And, of course, you'll hear that tomorrow right here on AM570 LA Sports. All right, next hour, we'll get more into the NBA action tonight. Would it be the cruelest of ironies? Chris Paul, up 3-1 in a series. His team loses, and once again, he's shot out of the finals. Clippers will try to make more of that a reality later. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah! Afternoon Delight. At the top, they get lonely. What they all say, because they don't know. That's right. And if you say you love, you got to show me. Tonight's Afternoon Delight is at the top by Coy Leary. A Boston native collaborated with DJ Mustard. Good we got a mention of DJ Mustard in here today. 
I'm big on the mustard. I know your boys are DJ Mustard. You know, is it I'm spicy boy. brown mustard or regular yellow mustard? That's what I want. Hey, that's West Coast hip hop royalty right there with DJ Mustard. I know you were Fred, you and uh, DJ Mustard go way back, I know. We're tight. Yeah. You, him, and YG. Oh, oh, I can oh yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, she also recruits, oh, good, another one of my favorites, Kodak Black. As a feature oh, yeah. Of the song. DJ Mustard, Kodak Black. At the top follows a slew of songs from a 24-year-old most recently featured on Rich the Kid's Boss Bitch. <laughs> what'd you, Fred, what'd you say? <laughs> Appeared in the video for Earth Gang's Options Remix with Wale. Again, today's Afternoon Delight is at the top by Coy Leary. You just put that in so I'd say Boss Bitch, didn't you? What, why ever would you say that, Fred? Rich kids, boss bitch. I rich that. that kid, unbelievable. Oh, rich you that know? kid, yes. See? Well, I thought a lot of rich kids are that way too. This is true. You understand how that is, don't you? All right. All right. And now, from the court to the courtroom with Jacob Emrani. Here he comes, our dear friend Jacob Emrani, for our weekly visit. A proud partner of the Lakers. Jacob, how are you? Good afternoon, Fred. How are you? How are you, Mr. Rob? I'm doing great, Jacob. What time do the Lakers play tonight? That's all I wanted to know. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you got jokes, huh? I owe, hey, Jacob, I owe you that. You know I owe you that. <laughs> well, let's see if they survive, you know, this uh, this series, and then we can see who's going to give jokes to who. <laughs> you got, hey, Jacob, hey, I know you're a Lakers guy, but come on, the Clippers tonight? If they win this game, that'll be amazing. It really will. Hey, man, let me tell you, you know, as any, as any sports fan would say, um, you know, if they're able to come back from, you know, being down 0-2, 0-2, and then 0-3, you know, to tie this up and take it to a seventh game, you got to, you know, you got to give respect to those players. There's no question about the fact that, you know, they, they've got, you know, they've got some grit in them and they've got some grind in them. So, you know, let's see what they do tonight. Uh, okay, on the topic of the Lakers, first off, looks like David Fisdale is going to replace Jason Kidd, uh, the former coach of the Grizzlies, also the coach of the Knicks. What do you think of that move? I like the move. I mean, obviously, we know he's a LeBron guy. We know the relationship's there, so that checks the box. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to bring another point of view onto the offense. I think it's going to be a much more free-flowing offense. It's going to be a lot more running, probably a lot less, uh, you know, posting up. Obviously, Jason Kidd, who's a good personal friend of mine, I've been texting him back and forth, and as much as he's happy to be going to the Mavericks, you know, he says he's going to miss the Lakers a lot. And now we got Fisdale. I think that's I think that's a good hire, and I'm I'm happy about what he's going to bring to the coaching staff. How about the Lakers in general? Are, are, do they need to bring a a major shakeup with players, or is it just hey, you know, things didn't work out? You, you're two big stars. Mm-hmm weren't completely healthy, so you don't have to totally blow it up, or do you think a good piece or two needs to be changed? No, you know, Rob, I think, obviously, I think the Lakers would have still been playing if we were healthy, and I think that's the same thing that goes for, you know, some of the other teams who lost their stars. But I think, ultimately, in a way, I think this is a good wake-up call for the Lakers to know that they need more shooting. I mean, this has been something that we've been lacking, and we even lacked it in the year where we won it in the bubble. I mean, of course, you know, KCP was hitting his shots, and, you know, you had a couple other people who got hot. But I think they need shooting, and I think they need to go out there and address it. 
I think also I'm probably one of the many who believes that the Kyle Kuzma experience should be slowly, slowly coming to an end. I think he's a good trade chip. Uh, he's still young, and I think he, he goes on a team that's not necessarily looking to win right now. I think he can do well, just like Ingram and just like the other young guys did. But I think in the big picture here, I think one of our biggest you know chips is Schroeder. And I think you know he's going around now asking for 100 to $120 million dollars. If some teams are willing to pay him that, then he'd be a nice chip for us to use as a uh, you know sign and trade. So right. I definitely feel like we need to make some changes. I don't think it's going to have to be you know wholesale changes. I think this is a good team. I think you just need to bring a couple of key pieces back. Uh, it's going to be difficult to get another star uh, to get a you know real third star. But then again, you know Palenka has done some you know some real exciting stuff since he's been on. So I think it's going to be really exciting to see, you know, what they can do. Um, but I know we have a lot of opportunities. We also have the pick. I'm not sure if they can trade the pick this year because I know they traded it last year. So right. there's, a, there, there's some opportunities there. Well, the, the deal is this, Jacob. Uh, you know, are you going to rebuild the roster? The roster is two guys. Every year the roster is going to be two guys. It's going to be LeBron and AD. And who can we fill in around them? Uh, what about Montrez Harrell? Do they try to move? Does he take... Does he opt in? Uh, do they try to move him? What about Marcus Saul? What do they do with these guys they signed that really didn't work out for them? Right. I think Mark most likely, I mean, I think they're, the Marcus Hall and Montrez are completely different stories, right? Montrez wanted a lot more run. You know, we got the little jab from him when he was playing in Drew League saying, I finally got some run in L.A. Um, you know, I was at a lot of games I thought he should have played and he didn't play, but you know, I don't think Montrez himself is going to opt in. I think Montrez is looking for another opportunity. Uh, and I hope if he does want to get another opportunity again, he can allow us to do a sign and trade because, you know, those are the opportunities that the Lakers have to use in order to bring other players in. Uh, in terms of Marcus All, I think Mark also saw that he may not be as good of a fit. There's conversation about him maybe going to Spain and play, you know, on one of those teams because Powell is obviously just signed on. So, you know, I think Mark will probably walk away himself. Uh, I think we have only three three to four people that are really going to be under contract if Mark, you know, walks away. So, again, as I said, you know, as Rob said, do we want to make changes? I think the changes are going to be made. I think right. there's going to be some guys who just, you know, want to stay. I think, uh, you know, Mark Keith is not going to want to go anywhere. I think he's comfortable. I think, you know, if he's going to take the minimum, I think, you know, he's a he's a good signee. So, it just, it just you know, there's going to be opportunities that a lot of us don't even know about that may be available, you know, once this thing gets going. But, as usual, it's exciting. You know, it's good, it's good, you know, good stuff around the Lakers, and we looking forward to it hey, hey jacob my uh cwpf that's a close warm personal friend they tell me that next year uh marcus all's uh pre-game meal for the lakers will consist of uh sodium-free bacon decaf coffee and a chest x-ray so it might be time to move on <laughs> i do believe that that's what it is and i think and i think he's seen it too rob you know i think he's i know i think you know he's a classy classy gentleman just like his brother was and I think he's the type that's going to be there to do what's best for him and the Lakers. All these guys, you know, I don't think they're going to go out of their way to hurt the Lakers. In the past, you know, people would just walk away and not even let the team get something back for them. We've had quite a few guys that just walked away from the team, and we ended up suffering for a lot of years. So I think a lot of these guys are going to work with the Lakers to do what's right for them and hopefully what's right for the Lakers. Hey, Jacob, um, Alex Caruso, you're an attorney. Okay, well, we know what happened to him when he was arrested in Texas. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give Alex Caruso? 
hanging out, you know, in a in a college campus in Texas is probably not going to be the best thing for you to do. I mean, he's you know he's he's a, he's a he's a celebrity now. The guy's you know he's uh, he's he's out there. I don't think you know. Obviously, in California, he knows that it's legal, but in Texas, man, they could do whatever they want to you. We always you know it's funny in law school. We used to have the laws we learned, and then we used to learn about the laws that occur in Texas. And you know that was always that was always a conversation. You know they do things their own way, and uh, you know obviously Alex was probably you know hanging out and partying in the wrong place. Okay, before we let you go, it is the Fourth of July weekend, and for you, it, it's an interesting time, right? More than interesting, Fred. I mean, you know, it's it's been it's it's been proven that Fourth of July is probably the busiest time on the freeways. Um, the four or five is supposed to be one of the busiest freeways in the whole country uh, during the Fourth of July, and accidents go up by a lot. So, and I want all of our listeners to be very very careful. When you're on the freeways, it's going to be busy. Everyone is, this is really one of the first holidays for everybody to be able to get out there with, you know, California opening up. So please be careful. But one thing, Fred, that we don't ever talk about is water sports and water injuries. We get a lot of boating injuries. We get a lot of sea and jet ski injuries. And I just want our, you know, listenership to know that if you are injured in a, you know, boating accident or something like that, those boats do have insurance. So you do have rights in order to recover, you know, injured, uh, you know, if you get injured, you have rights to recover. So please be careful when you're in the water. And last thing I have to say is fireworks, fireworks, fireworks. We always get a bunch of calls because some people are, you know, doing their fireworks. There's a lot of illegal fireworks out there and people get injured from them. You have no way of recovering for that. You just got to be super careful. You know, do your fireworks, but please, please be careful. I'm afraid of fireworks. I got to admit, even as a kid, you know, I blew off some stuff, you know, when I was a kid. But as What'd an adult, you, blow off? you know, I, a couple of firecrackers. But well, I I'm just you mentioned blew off a part of your body. I was going, no, oh, God, no, no, no. Hey, hey, it, remember? Remember JPP, the, yep. the guy who played for the Giants? He, yep. he actually lost fingers based right. on fireworks. Right. That's what I'm saying is like it always scared me, and uh, that's great advice to be careful this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, we just have to be careful. I mean, we're all out there. We want to enjoy ourselves. It's Fourth of July. You know, we gotta, you know, we gotta pay respect to, uh, you know, to everybody who has, you know, who's been there and has done everything for us. But at the end of the day, just be careful because, I mean, if you were in my office on the Tuesday after Fourth of July, you'd be shocked with the type of calls we get. And I just want to let everyone know proactively to be careful. Take care of yourself. Have an amazing long weekend. Have an amazing Fourth of July, and I hope you know Fred, you and Rob have a great time. I know Rodney's having a, you know, having a great time with Magic. So <laughs> that he is, and that and, yeah. and and the best part of the technology today, like if you have an accident, you could just say, "Hey Siri, call Jacob." You know, because you can't uh, dial yourself. You know? Accident. <laughs> Jacob, have a have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on. Be safe. Thanks, guys. Take care right, of yourself. Jacob. Have a great All weekend. Right. All right, there goes our buddy. Stop Jacob it, Fred. What are you doing? What are you making firecracker jokes? I'm not making firecracker jokes. By the way, Ronnie, you know, we were talking about YG earlier, and you guys don't think that uh, you know I have any street cred. You have no street cred because you thought his you thought his name was WXYZ, and then you got hip to it. No. Is is YG not <laughs> Keenan Daquan Ray Jackson? Yeah, yes, Fred. I didn't know you were going to call him by his government name, but sure. That's, what That's I'm his saying. government name, Fred. Well, you don't he think I know? That's what name. I'm saying. I know these guys. 
I know them professionally and personally. <laughs> I know them, you know, on the street, and I know them. In the boardroom, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> in the boardroom, in the, uh, in the studio? Yes. Yeah. You laying down saying. tracks at YG? Are you going to be featured on his next album, Fred? I may. Okay. I may. I'm going to yeah. say that's Fugazi, Fred. <laughs> yeah. That is Fugazi. Fugazi. You're Fugazi.